jinkies. Oh, what's that gross book made out of skin? It's not a book. It's a tome made out of skin. Ew. What's it say? Behold the collected apocrypha of Stacy Ponder, the writer for Final Girl. And Anthony Hudson, the programmer for Queer Horror. And together they are... Oh my god! Don't read it out loud! Don't read it out loud! Gay of Here we are. Changed, changed people. Changed people. Are we? Yep. Actually, I am completely changed. Uh, you have undergone the metamorphoses? I did. You know, this is absolutely true. Is that like the day after we recorded last week's episode, um, I had a spiritual awakening. I don't know. A realization. Like one of those profound moments where the stars align <laughs> and the secrets of the universe reveal themselves to you because your third eye has opened wide. Oh, man, what a trip. Was Annabelle right there with her shaman rattle? <laughs> yeah. And her little and her... appropriative headdress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I didn't mind because it was Annabelle. So. Yeah. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Like... So it, 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 was a, it was a big moment. And what, what? I've, had, I've had to wait all week to talk about it. Oh, my God. What happened? What happened? Well, I was thinking about dot com for murder Uh (laughs) uh-huh tell me more well i was just thinking why is it called dot com for murder why would you call the movie dot com for murder and not murder dot com what does dot com for murder mean that's not the way people speak is it for sale do you buy do you purchase murder do you purchase murder yourself I just, it's a title that makes no sense. And I tried to crack the code and I think I finally got it. Oh shit. What, 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 what's, yeah. what's the red string tell us? Well, I thought about the plot and what I think the director probably thought this movie was. <laughs> and I think dot com for murder is supposed to be a take on dial M for murder. Oh. It's like the cyber oh. version, right? Even though you wouldn't say that, you would say like what's the address for murder. But that's not very catchy. <laughs> Tell me the murder URL. <laughs> yeah, what's the URL for murder? So I genuinely think that they thought this was like a cyber Hitchcockian thriller. Oh, I'm sure that's what they thought. <laughs> Yeah, and so I just, I felt really, I felt relief that I think I finally figured it out. That's all. (laughs) You cracked the code. So now the universe has no more secrets for me. None. No. You solved Stephen Hawking's life work. (laughs) I did. He's, he's, he's happy wherever he is. Yeah, somewhere, somewhere in time, he's smiling. Somewhere out there. Um, that's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, so that was that was it. That was I love the idea of someone who doesn't like it's just like I murders, a filmmaker that doesn't understand the internet or what it is or how you use it or what it looks like. Um, yeah. Making a literal translation from a movie title from like the fifties. <laughs> yeah. And trying and so it to transpose that to the internet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It doesn't make any sense at all. 
I I can't wait until we talk about that movie. I've been thinking about it a lot lately because uh, there's one part where it's it's basically like the internet is not for women. Like you know, women don't know how to use computers. Oh, that's <laughs> so good. Wow. I why are we yeah. why are we talking about anything else? I I mean I don't know that it's just stupid LGBT revenge month. You know. Yeah, this month that now I want revenge on. Just because exactly, I want to get to my murder, my 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 web murders. Yeah, web murders. My uh... remember remember web TV. <laughs> yeah. I love the internet. I do. Um, I have undergone a full chrysalis transformation. I'm excited. What a what a week for both of us. Obviously, I know it's like you you zeroed in on the intentions behind. A movie title. <laughs> I'm not trying to negate your work. I mean, a labyrinth of a title, you must admit. A true, a true mystery befitting it's, um, Miss Marple. It's, yeah, it's befitting this. This is like a sphinx riddle. It's like an, what, it's like Ira Levin and Agatha Christie teamed up to create this mystery. And you cracked it. Um, mm-hmm. So well done. I, meanwhile, have seen the Cats trailer, and I am a new woman. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Did you watch it? I did watch it. (laughs) My immediate thought was, the earth is right to burn us. (laughs) Our time has come. Just kill us all. Our time has come. Like, the earth knows what's up and just burn us all alive. Like, it makes sense. It's true. The cat's... My second thought was, I might love it. I can't fucking wait. It is the harbinger of the sixth extinction, and rightfully so. And yet, yeah, like, like, uh, I, it's, it's like, it's like my, my Roman baths slash vomitorium, uh, just right as Nero begins to pick up that fiddle, right? It's like, <laughs> it's like, just give me the peacock feather, throw me into the orgy, let me have this, and then I'm fine with the world ending. Like, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I watched the trailer just in pure mesmerization like uh, like i don't know what happened to me but i was transformed and i need to see this movie <laughs> i was like opening night <laughs> i will be yeah there. i mean you wonder how like how could it have happened how did it how could it have gone that far how did it reach that point that's the question i was asking like like I get like with the song, it's almost like with the Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, they, they were like, Ooh, surprise. We made a Sonic the Hedgehog. Mo- oh, oh, you guys don't like how it looks. Cause we didn't show you any steps of the way along like what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. And only this is like on a billion dollar level. <laughs> I just don't, I mean, like, let's not pretend that cats isn't an abomination to begin. Oh, Andrew Lloyd Webber is the worst thing that ever happened to the stage since, I mean, bef- yeah. before or after Rent also. I mean, I mean, Jesus Christ Superstar uh, is, is perfect. Near, is perfect. But a friend of mine wanted to watch Cats for their birthday. And I thought, oh no, oh, no. all right, I'll, I'll do this for you. And so we watched it and it's like, it, it's over. I mean, it felt like torture. Uh, but the whole thing is just cats telling you who they are. Well, no, like, and then like, and then one of them dies. The jellicle ball and the tipsy whipsy hoop to do. Like, yeah, yeah. 
My name is Rumpelflatfling, and I'm going to the Jellicle Ball because I love Jellicle things. <laughs> and they do that over and over for each cat, and then someone dies. And that's the end of it. Like, it's just the worst thing anyway. So then, I mean, the movie is just, it looks like a deep fake. It looks like a deep fake that someone made and you would see a clip and be like, wow, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it looks like when people make terrible memes with awful graphics, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> just on a zillion dollar level. Yeah, I just don't understand it. And I, I mean, I feel bad for probably all of the visual effects artists who were just doing what they were told, but are going to take the bl- brunt of the blame for this. <laughs> They weren't making the decisions, you know what I mean? Nope. I just, I, oh boy. How did they get Judy Dench? How did they get Ian McKellen? Why? Why? why Jen- I mean, none of them knew. None of them knew that this would happen. Jennifer Hudson is way too young to be Grizabella. I'm not even trying to make sense of it, but I sound like I'm trying to make sense of it because Cats is an atrocity. It's horrible. Like, yeah. I mean, granted, yes, I love Jesus Christ Superstar. I think it's one of the greatest musicals out there. Um, but I think that was a fluke for him. And I think it was more Tim Rice's lyricism that made it amazing. Uh, mm. uh, I do have a soft spot for Phantom of the Opera because I recognize that it is terrible and I still love it. But now I'm worried <laughs> that Cats might become my new Phantom and I might love this, just just specifically this version of Cats because it is so repellent. <laughs> that yeah I, it really it is. might be everything i've been waiting for in a movie like as i'm as i'm beginning to really fall for movies that are just so nuts and take so many insane chances that sh- never should have been taken that maybe i'm in love with it this might be my holy grail right. yeah my third thought was anthony's gonna love this <laughs> <laughs> that was literally my third thought Anthony's gonna love this. I and feel I, like I can love it from afar. I don't need to actually subject myself to it because you know it's gonna be like four hours long. Oh, it's gonna be fucking an atrocity. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna get. I'm, I'm gonna. Good. I'm gonna take a cookie. I'm gonna take a, a weed juice. I'm gonna take a brownie. I'm gonna have a tincture. <laughs> I'm gonna bring my spliff. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do everything. Yeah. I'll be like, I'm gonna be like Aldous Huxley on my deathbed. It's just gonna be like, <laughs> just pump me up and put on Grizabella. And when it's over, I promise I will fire you out of a cannon like Hunter S. Thompson. <laughs> and that'll be the end of the show. So I guess the clock's That's ticking. It's our live show. <laughs> Yeah, I guess the clock's taken for us, but that's all right. I think I will enjoy the idea of it more than I would enjoy actually having to subject like four of my remaining hours on this earthly plane to it, you know, when I could be watching .com for murder again. When you could be enjoying a true classic. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it, it just boggles the mind. It, it truly it's, is another mystery that needs to be solved. It's just so wrong. And I I just can't wait. Yeah. December 20th. I have it. I have an expiration date now. Yeah. <laughs> That's, it's the new Mayan calendar. <laughs> <laughs> 
It was foretold. It was foretold. The Jellicle Ball. The Jellicle Ball <laughs> signifies the end times. <laughs> uh, oh. I mean, wow. Yeah, well, so thanks, thanks Hollywood. Thanks, British people making musicals. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess so. We only have like five months left of this show, so. And that's all the movies that are left in the world for us to review. Yeah, so that's fine. Yeah. So, okay, I'm good with that. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, <laughs> it was cool. a good run. Yeah. And I'm glad we can uh, make peace as we move towards the hospice uh, era <laughs> of Gaylords of Darkness. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Okay, well, but that is the future, my friend. We are in the present, and we're going to talk about the past. Oh, wow. I I know how time works. (laughs) Can't fool me. That's right. LGBT, is this the last? No, we have one more week after this. Boy, July is just crawling. I know. It's taking her fine time in this heat. I know. Yeah, well, this week we're going to talk about, uh, I mean, we're going to go even uh, more problematic. Perhaps perhaps the most problematic of them all, right? Yes, I would would think so, at least in terms of the fandom. I think, yeah, it's one of the most talked about in those terms, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sleepaway Camp, 1983, and Sleepaway Camp 2 unhappy campers from 1988 oh what a double bill what a double feature just these these gems that we did not deserve that much like cats how did these ever happen how did they happen (laughs) i mean these were the cats of their time in many ways (laughs) except for also cats (laughs) yeah i mean they still are they're still uh especially the first film god i it's contentious. It's a contentious film. Right? It's so contentious, and yet I think it's truly brilliant. And I've said it time and time again. I mean, this is one of my all-time favorite horror movies. Uh, I love Sleepaway Camp. I love yeah. this movie so, so, so much. Uh, yeah, I love it as well. Um, Good answer. I- I think it's well, I but I think it's subversive and it is also absolutely problematic. And I understand the people who only find it problematic. Like, I get that. I would never tell a trans person not to be offended and shocked and horrified by this film. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's fair. You know, I like I totally understand that read and I think it's a valid one. Um, because even as much as I love it, I still am, there are times when I'm like, uh, yeah, I, I feel it requires a little bit of mental gymnastics to be, for me to be completely at peace at it, particularly considering like it's made by like a cis straight man. And that for me is the greatest mystery of all time with this film, because there is there is such deep queerness in this film. There is yeah. a there is a queer lens. Uh, There's a queer gaze on this film. Uh, Almost a gay male gaze, one might say. Mm. Especially when you compare and contrast with the second one, where the second one, there's, oh, bo- yeah. there's boobs out everywhere. The only thing featured in the first one is a ton of short shorts, wet 
uh, tidy whities and nobody, no man in this movie wears a shirt. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it is. I mean, all the way down to the gay couple. It is shocking. And I wonder watching this, I try and wonder if it was made to shock, but at the same time, it still feels sympathetic to me. I think there are parts of it that definitely feel sympathetic or aren't just for gay panic, shock, scare. Yeah. Um, the short shorts I are like it's an insanely homoerotic film. <laughs> like, it's absolutely bonkers. Yeah, the other side of the coin is that that literally was the fashion at the time. It was absolutely. However, there's not a ne'er a scanty boob shown. Right, which is shocking because it is also like a very sleazy film. Uh huh. Which is like, which is what I like. Like more, even more than like its queerness or, or inadvertent queerness or any of that. What I love about it the most is the mean streak, and yes. the the sleaziness and the vibe of like that early eighties pre bike helmet era you know like pre-ritalin where yeah. kids were just little motherfuckers and they were really mean to each other and they swore all the time and like a kid might be riding his bike and crack his head open and that's just the way it was yeah and you just you you get up you send him to the infirmary you get on with your day exactly so i uh, i really appreciate the sort of that kind of time capsule-ness of it it is the sleaziest movie starring 13-year-olds screaming fuck you at each other I've ever seen. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and it's every- dirty. It's like fill it's got there's a grime to it like that kitchen with that's uh, all it's fly, all genuine. The flies on the fly paper everywhere. The the fly strips everywhere and everything is filthy and disgusting and rotting and just like it's not set dressing. You know what I mean? Like it's an actual the- summer camp. Yeah, like it that's just where they filmed. It was filmed an actual summer camp. And it's just gross. <laughs> it's so gross. Well, and that's what's, I mean, the, they're, for this movie being so campy and so ridiculous, it is also, it, it feels weirdly authentic because it's at a summer camp. Because it was also one of the few camp slashers besides like The Burning to actually cast children. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, which is and then to invest them in such a queer and melodramatic and grotesque sleaze fest uh yeah. is really shocking to watch and hilarious um <laughs> and also in addition to the grime and the sleaze new jersey permeates this movie oh my god those <laughs> accents especially at the beginning the like new york <laughs> accents are just amazing everyone oh my god it's like a whole movie full of car salesmen and i <laughs> yeah. i love it yeah yeah i really love this movie it is that ending is uh something right the ending is a lot the ending i mean the ending is absolutely a shock it's absolutely meant to be uh in your in your face uh yeah but simultaneously i'm like for me the ending is almost separate for me from the movie it's like a, even though it's what makes the yeah. movie is what everybody remembers it's almost a pathway to i don't know so when it comes to angela's motivations which i'm sure we'll talk about later uh i'm just i'm here for her <laughs> oh well that's the thing i love Angela. is that i i think i think audiences are here for her 
And, and like, I'm just talking about the first film yes, right now. Yes. But I mean, she's constantly bullied through the, the entire film by like everybody. She had a horrible childhood. Um, I mean, traumatic. She watched traumatic. her entire family die because opening of the movie, we get <laughs> the greatest. Somebody help the people! Oh God, we hit a boat! <laughs> help the people! I love her. The greatest <laughs> opening ever, where these two cute little tykes are hanging out on a little sailboat with with Daddy in his short shorts and then the the evil canoodling teens who are subjecting their friends to jet skiing <laughs> the girl that's just crying as she's jet skiing behind them <laughs> hit the boat kill the entire family except for one child flash forward eight years later and the little girl has been sent to live with her aunt martha who is the most I can't, special woman of all time. I cannot figure out that actress's anything deal. Like, I, was that a note from the director? Is that just like it's the weirdest interpretation? It's so weird. And given the subject matter of Sleepaway Camp, people have, uh, you know surmised over the years that aunt martha is actually the director in drag i always wonder. it's not it's not it's just a, it's a cis woman playing a cis woman she assume. but there's you know the way she's styled and also like her bone yes. structure it i'm for the longest time i wondered if she was a drag queen or or like a trans woman um right and also it doesn't yeah. help there's no information about her anywhere uh, and this was her only no. film credit besides Return to Sleepaway Camp, which we are not talking about on this episode. Absolutely not. It's such a strange performance that is out of nowhere, not grounded in reality, like at all. She's a Looney Tune. I mean, she is a full on cartoon, even the way she's dressed. Yes. Yeah. And uh, it certainly sets a kind of tone. <laughs> It absolutely does. Don't question mark. Um, <laughs> I was watching. I did watch the the little documentary. The Blu-ray for this movie is fantastic. I haven't. I hadn't watched it before this. Um, and it's a, there's a beautiful restoration, and there's some great special features and a commentary with the director. And there's also the Judy short film that a fan made, um, where Judy oh. Judy comes back, and this time she's a killer. Um, but uh, they interview Aunt Martha. And she said when she she was I guess she was just a realtor. She's a realtor or something. And (laughs) the director cast her and then she told him, I can't do this role. I can't say these lines. They are so weird. And he made her he he like would not let her drop out of the role. So she just fully embraced it and just came up with that Shakespearean performance. Wasn't that nice of me? <laughs> it's so weird. Oh no, that wouldn't do. <laughs> and then that's it. Bye bye. They go to camp, and that's the end of Aunt Martha. Aunt Martha's gone. Like... This fucking beacon of a queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she she is Marianne Williamson's running mate. Like, At or... <laughs> yeah. There's no question. <laughs> yeah. Ah, she's also a doctor. Yeah, she's a doctor, apparently. 
by the time like they get to camp, you you start to feel like maybe you just dreamt her up. Like you know, she was just like, did that really happen? Did that did that happen? Did I eat like some bad rhubarb? Like what 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 am I <laughs> yeah. experiencing? Yeah, well, I was just gonna say they get to camp and then you meet the meanest shits ever. Poor, yeah, poor little little Ricky who is like a tiny angry man. <laughs> I love Ricky so much, but he is yeah. the tiniest, angriest little man. And little Ricky comes, and he's it's really sweet because he's extremely protective of his cousin Angela, who survived the boating accident. And Angela's like just this shy little doe-eyed mute girl, uh, <laughs> yeah. who suddenly becomes the target of everyone's attention, sort of in an Annabelle way. Yeah. But if we hate Annabelle, um. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, to to not to play devil's advocate too much, as Angela is the hero and the villain of the film. Um, if some girl sat on the bed, and, oh, if I was like thirteen, and she just sat there staring at me, I would get, I would absolutely react the way Judy reacts. Like, what are you looking at? What is your problem? Stop <laughs> fucking looking at me! Like, she, Angela just stares at everyone, and I fair. love it. But it's a fair way to react. But to then Judy takes it girl. maybe a step too you know. far. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Judy, who is also, we all know my queen, I have dressed up as her many times, I have done a Judy performance in front of Karen Fields' Judy herself, uh, I love Judy. She is the meanest mean girl in any horror film. She's a monster. <laughs> yeah, she is. And it doesn't help that for some reason Judy is working in cahoots with Meg, aka M E G. I love that she has to spell out her name, which is three letters in it. Yeah, Meg. Like no one's getting confused. <laughs> And Meg is just the bad girl camp counselor who teams up with Judy to make Angela's life a living hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that Judy is also like a tiny, angry woman. She, just like Ricky. Like, <laughs> this movie is so strange in that like some of the kids are like 12. Some of them are 40. <laughs> some of them are 12 year olds who look like 40 year old, 12 year olds. Like it's just bizarre in the best they way. all sell in a cards. way that we we don't we don't we don't see this kind of bizarreness anymore. no this is diversity this is what this is diversity. this is what inclusion looks like in this movie <laughs> yeah. Yeah. the world is full of weird angry car salesmen from jersey and this movie shows all of them <laughs> yeah. I, well i think that's but that's part of like why i think i am so turned off by all this new shit that's set in the 80s is that actors look a lot different than they did in 1983 oh they always are styled too well they look too pretty they look too pretty their teeth are too perfect their bodies are too perfect like they've obviously been doing pilates for 10 years uh people no one ever dresses or is quaffed as horribly as people actually were in the 80s. <laughs> the awful, the truly awful hair. Uh, yeah. The, the hair gel that never ends. Everyone was fucking gawky or lanky, like these weird skinny nerd people, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, terrible oversized outfits. Not these sexy snug short shorts, you know? I mean, we get those in Sleepaway Camp, but we also get some terrible outfits too. Um, yeah. People were lumpy. <laughs> pe lumpy people. Like, it was... <laughs> 
people and that let's i like to think the 80s are really the generation that really cemented the nerd also you don't see oh, the yeah. nerd of this level anymore in the 80s throwbacks stuff. absolutely everyone's absolutely. everyone's sex even the nerds are sexy in the new 80s throwbacks mm-hmm. yeah there are some some people in sleepaway camp who don't actually have any lines but when like a group of campers is clustered up it's like a fucking Dick Tracy rogues gallery. You know, like, I mean, I mean that in a good way. It doesn't sound like I mean it in a good way. But it's like, these are real people, you yeah. know? And it's just like, it's shit like American Horror Story 1984 is never going to come close to that. No, no, because they're all the, just going to be brunettes that Ryan Murphy just fucked. <laughs> like, yeah. In their yeah. Spencer's Gifts Halloween outfit. Yeah, they're all going to be perfect in their Halloween town ensemble. Like, yeah. it's just... You know, so I think that is probably my biggest beef. And going back to that kind of talk from our last episode, you know, this, when we talk about the dark side of the 80s, this movie also captures it. There's absolute horrible people running this camp. Uh, Mm -hmm. Exploitive motherfuckers. Maybe, maybe we could even compare them to Reagan. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting a little too reaching in my (laughs) political metaphors. Um, And then we also, the camp is run by people that do not care about the children at all. No, the chef is an open pedophile. An open pedophile, which everyone, like, kind of, kind of in a really uh, over-the-top and yet kind of astute way, the film, everyone in the kitchen knows about this guy and jokes with him and they don't say, they keep quiet about him. Yeah, they want to keep their jobs. Yeah, it's kind of real. It's absolutely real. And it's really gross. (laughs) That chef is chef is a strong word to use <laughs> well yeah the cook the cook even that even that is too i think they, they call him the head chef right <laughs> yeah it's yeah. like oh wow yeah yeah and he's but that's the thing that's, he's disgusting and gets a fitting end and that's the thing is like even if angela is the only one committing the murders which uh to my mind there's ample evidence that if it's not completely ricky doing it then they're in cahoots oh uh uh-huh um even if it is completely angela it's like she's been the sympathetic victim through the entire film and so the ending is that much more out of nowhere and nonsensical Uh uh-huh that's true i think well you know girl has just had it she has had it (laughs) <laughs> she is tired of being pushed around and that's what i i I mean you know every slasher movie to some extent is a morality tale right um we get the youths that overstep their bounds that do drugs that have sex and they have to die one by one because those are the rules sleepaway camp is a little different uh because i don't know the morality is really about are you a terrible person to this one little girl right <laughs> should you have treated her nicer yeah yeah now you're yeah, gonna don't die. be a bully yeah the message is like don't be a bully don't be a pedophile don't be a bully don't don't kiss my cutie right cutie. <laughs> yeah. yeah so while she you know is the villain etc cetera, etc cetera, it's like the audience is completely on her side through the whole thing because these kids are unrepentantly terrible to her and we see that angela isn't just a weirdo too i think this is also important is uh when paul shows up paul, like paul is ricky's old time pal from many years of sleepaway camps um paul who was another 
tiny little man and it's bizarre <laughs> paul is like <laughs> paul and angela have this great sort of flirtation relationship um and the first sort of section with them is adorable they're mm-hmm. angela and paul are so cute and angela like starts smiling and laughing and giggling and like talking with him she really like she wants to get to know him she feels safe with him because he like reaches out to her he apologizes for how everybody else is treating her and he just wants to spend time with her and talk to her right and she's really responsive to that so like she is an actual human being with feelings and can interact with people normally she just doesn't feel safe with most people because they're so mean to her because they single her out Mm -hmm. as a weirdo yeah yeah and she uh, pays him back yeah. in lots of films to come. <laughs> yes, she does. Yes, she does. I think I think the ending, the ending is always, it's almost like people are shot and like not to speak for everybody, but it's like almost like what the shock is, isn't so much that it's like she's got a boy's body. It's the uncanniness of that face that mask. and the mask on that body. Yeah. Yeah. It it creates a weird sense of uncanny and it comes out of fucking nowhere. It's like cats. <laughs> it is like cats. And I think people are just shocked by it. Yeah. Because no one expects it. And I, it's like the nudity is shocking and it's whatever, like because it's, you know, fully nude. That's always going to be shocking. But it's just so out of nowhere a surprise there's definitely the element of like um and it's funny that this the crying game like basically took this ending from sleepaway camp uh, for being like an oscar-winning film um but like there's that element of like the surprise because ultimately everyone knows the twist is angela is uh trans ultimately angela is a has a boy's body um or has a penis uh, is is what we see in the final revelation as she's holding Paul's severed head. Because, granted, because Judy and Paul made out and therefore Paul had to be ended, as did Judy. Rightfully so. Um, and there's that element of, like, the cis viewer shock, like the grotesque shock of, of trans genitalia, basically, is sort of what's going right. on there. Um, but at the same time, the surprise of like, dude, she has a dick or whatever that might be coming from normative society. I can't absolutely see that too being conflated with the just the sheer bizarreness of the mask because it also reads so weird. Like, is it a mask? Is it a superimposed photo? And it is a mask, but like, it just looks so weird. Yeah, it's a strange face that she's making and she doesn't move. And she's like, <laughs> she's like hissing, which... <laughs> Never corner a trans person. They'll start hissing at you. <laughs> like, it's just, it's weird. That's the thing also is it's like no one, it's like it's a strange position. It doesn't seem real. None of it. If she had gotten to act like a person and move around, I think people wouldn't be as freaked out yeah. by that ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe that's just me giving people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. But, but at the same time, so like, I think... And and this all this movie sort of always falls into that uh, I guess it's a genre almost of its own a subgenre of the trans killer twist right like right. going back yeah. to Psycho um, to uh, Dress to Kill to uh, <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre the New Beginning or the Next Generation the Renee Zellweger one 
Um, oh boy. So I would argue that like Soap Dish and Ace Ventura also have that ending, even though it's not ultimately like a killer, but like, oh, look, the villain's a trans person and therefore we can laugh at them. And it's just like really gross and wrong. Um, mm-hmm. I would even say to some extent, Jurassic Park does that with the dinosaurs changing sexes. Um, but like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's Silence of the Lambs, one of the most famous ones. Uh, and that, that twist keeps happening all the way up until, um, I think the most recent one I've seen that in was, uh, Insidious chapter two actually did that, which was kind of, uh, weird and upsetting, but, um, yeah, the bride in black from the first movie, it turns out is actually the man in black. Um, and he had a crazy mother that wanted a daughter. Uh, so which on paper doesn't seem very different from Sleepaway Camp. But right. because we have this whole sequence with Aunt Martha. Oh, we already have a boy. No, that won't do. <laughs> I, I've always wanted a little girl. Right. Why, yes, you will be my Angela. You know, but um, but I feel like this one feels so different to me because she is the star. Because we are supposed to sympathize with her. And I think the fact that like she... She kisses Paul a couple times and she likes it. The first time it distresses her. Yeah. Uh, I think. Right. But sexuality and gender are two different things, though. Sexuality and gender are two different things. That's true. Um, So, I mean, maybe Angela's gay. I don't know. But I personally think I personally think that Angela is actually fine with who she is and the identity that she's living. But I think Angela just kill. She is just killing people who are being monsters to her that aren't recognizing her as a person. Yeah. I think, I think the murders don't, that's the, the, one of the issues with this movie is like, where's the motivation to kill coming from? And yeah, I think she, she kills shitty people. Um, Does that, is it because she's trans? Is is that like, did it drive her crazy? Um, I think, the latter like two and three and all of that do a better job at explaining Angela because in the first film to me this transness is foisted upon her we don't get enough information from Angela to really know what she's okay with and what she isn't okay with because it is it's literally Aunt Martha forces this she 100% does yeah on Peter and that's it. And then I think the second film, which we'll get to, does a really good job of saying, like, no, that's who Angela was. And time. for 1988, it's shocking. And for 1988, it's shockingly okay. Um, yeah. But in this film, I think because it just ends. Like that? Like that. I don't, I just, I can't make that judgment. And that's why I'm like, if if trans people especially are going to find this just garbage and whatever, like, I get it. Yeah. No, and it absolutely comes up down to, like, a trans viewer to, de- to determine how they feel about this. Uh, I just, I personally, being obsessed with this movie and with Angela, yeah, I just see, like, I and I think, I don't know, I think there is something kind of empowering in that of, like, she does have that gender forced on her, but at the same time, she ultimately takes it and wears it. But I also like thinking about gender as something that can be fluid, that can change. Um I'm not, I, and obviously I don't think this director even thought about that, but that's just the read that I bring into it with my own personal politics. Um, right. Yeah. I think it's strictly a shock. Yeah. Know? It's just, it's just one of those things we never get to hear from Angela until the second film. Yeah. And so just in the first film, I think it's whatever we're projecting onto it. 
of how okay with it and how true to herself it is yeah i guess yeah but i think i think one of the things that would be would have been really interesting that isn't in the film is like when she kills paul at the end the way it is it plays out in the film is it's premeditated because he's shitty it would have been great if they just literally went to the waterfront to fool around and then if they fooled around and he freaked out and she killed him. And it just would and have been she... such a nice reversal of like what trans women actually face. Yeah. Of like, you know, because what happens is cis men freak out and then the trans woman ends up dead. Yeah. And it, exactly. just, it would have just been nice to see her like, I don't know, avenge Take herself. it back. Take it back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, 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 I still like I try to, I guess maybe I am doing mental gymnastics, but I like to cram that read into there because... I just think when they're making out on the beach and she's really into it and then she he touches he goes to touch her chest and she like makes him stop because she doesn't she doesn't want to be revealed. She doesn't want him to know that Uh, because she knows how he'll react and she found a boy that likes her like I know I get I get that. Well, it also yeah. It also then fades to the flashback to the dad's sex scene, which is surprisingly nice and like g-rated yeah and the kids are like giggling the kids are giggling like they would if it was a mom and a dad or like any coupling they would have been giggling at and it was fine but then the kids peter starts touching angela yeah and and i think that also comes into it of like i mean kids do that right they play doctor or whatever but it's like the fact that that's where her mind goes Mm, mm-hmm when sex time is happening it's like that's what she's remembering is like violating her sister perhaps oh Oh, that's weird yeah that's a thing and like that's what she feels paul is doing to her i guess oh oh i never had that read it is interesting too that at the end um I guess watching this on the Blu-ray, I feel like in many ways I am seeing this for the first time because yeah. the transfer is so different. And I, the last time I really saw this was on 35 millimeter, which is a great way to watch it, but you're missing some visual information in terms of what's actually on the film. Um, when it's, when you get to see it restored, like I didn't realize that she was, I guess I never really noticed that her, like her petting his head and kind of singing was sort of her version of remaking what she saw her parents doing mm-hmm um which i also appreciated although it was with a severed head <laughs> but... <laughs> right yeah but it was still nice but once again i'm just like you know kind of like hide and go shriek and high tension like I- i'm like kill him baby girl <laughs> <laughs> good yeah. for you add a girl I think it's, <laughs> it's just it's a it's a murky movie that can be read in a lot of different ways some ways are just incredibly problematic and transphobic and vile yeah and other ways that are really empowering like even if angela weren't actually trans which at the end of the film we don't know like i said because it's just it's completely unresolved it's like she could be killing part of you know her tendencies her homicidal tendencies or whatever it's like she hasn't been allowed to express her own gender identity at all whatever it may be Maybe it's male, maybe it's female, maybe it's neither. Like, who knows? But she hasn't been, like, it's just the perils of not being allowed the freedom to express yourself, which is a nice read of it. 
not intended, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> None of this is fucking intended. It was just all intended to be like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, do I see a pee pee? <laughs> do you think Ricky knows? That's a good question. Because I'm like, they've lived together eight years as children. Like, they'd have to. You'd right? think. And I'm You'd like, think at some point it would. Like, maybe that's part of why he's so protective of her. Right. Um, yeah, I'm fascinated by the Ricky-Angela relationship, too. Right. Well, and- especially since, I mean, like I said, there is a good argument to be made that he's the one killing everybody. Yeah. Partially because... I guess Felissa Rose's mother wouldn't let her be involved in any of the murder scenes. So they use like a boy's hand. So they, those are Ricky's hands coming. Yeah. Out. And there's a shot. I think it's Judy's when Judy's death scene happens and there's a silhouette in the doorway. It's clearly Ricky. Um, yeah. Not Angela. Yeah. Which I have never no, seen that. Yeah. In the and there's other also transfers. Ricky with yeah. an Angela wig. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and like uh, even the the campers who get killed, at the, when one of them's like, "I'm cold, I want to go back," and the counselor has to drive some of them back. It's like there's there's instances where I mean, it could just be horror movie logic, like just go with it. But there are instances where Angela could not be where she's supposed to be to kill somebody. Yeah, and even when she's like when Paul uh, sneaks up on her, she's really genuine in her read of um. Oh my god, I thought you were the killer. Right. Yeah. So there's also that whole possibility of, like, Ricky killing to protect his sister. Like, the film, I get, it's presented in the way, like, the red herring of Ricky with the the sleazy camp owner and his cigar. Which, by the way, oh my god, what the fuck, he was gonna go on a date with Meg? Yeah, (laughs) I know! I do not remember that, that's disgusting. But, um, I, I, uh... It's interesting that, um, fuck, where was I going with this? The camp owner, uh, he thinks that Ricky is the killer. Right, th- yeah. But I never considered that Ricky could actually be the also killing in addition to Angela. That's interesting. Or maybe Angela's Rick- first murder is Paul. Right. Yeah. That's entirely possible. Because also during the flag football, Ricky's all about, like, let's scheme and go around and work out this intricate plan so that we could get the flag and no one will know where we are. Yeah. And he's got a hair trigger temper. Oh, yeah. He, God, anytime he's like, you sons of bitches, you fucking cocksuckers. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I love, love him. It. And his little point, his little like angry old man point as he screams yeah. at everyone and his face <laughs> turns red. Right. God, so it's that. like, would he go that far? It's possible. It's possible that Paul's the first one Angela killed. Could be, huh? Huh? I mean, maybe they were both just pushed to the brink by fucking living with Aunt Martha. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Who it must be said is perfect. Right. But what's that day to day like? You know. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, but all the horrible people in this are like, you know, it's not, which is one thing I do appreciate, whatever the director's intent with this, or whatever transphobia, et cetera, et cetera. It's like the relationship between the two dads is really nice and sweet and well handled and There's... seems completely normal versus the cook at the camp who's a pedophile versus Mel who's. Uh, what is it? A hebophile at best. No, that's the thing is the straight people are presented as the monsters. Right. The yeah. the gay dads are presented as like something with like a fond memory. 
um mm-hmm. a tragedy that one of them is dot that one of them dies when when the boat hilariously hits them and the girl's screaming the people <laughs> <laughs> the other dad like has a really poignant moment like it just cuts to him it's silent more or less and he just goes john right and like it's it's sad it's really affecting also they're like attractive and shown basically like shirtless and all their hairy and the whatever <laughs> like <laughs> yeah but that's it's the same like sort of gay male gaze that's applied to how he photographs the the boys skinny dipping and and so i'm just like how are you how are you a straight man who married your producer that made this movie with you and had three kids with her with right. the level of camp the the sympathy for the gay dads um the questionable sympathy for angela aunt martha and just the sheer queerness of you know how much we love girls like judy (laughs) like and (laughs) and meg and then the judgment on the pedophile cook the judgment on the camp owner who's going on a date with meg Mm -hmm. it's so it doesn't add up to me who was the no. what psychotic gay was backstage doing something <laughs> making sure that these things happened in this movie? Well, I mean, it's he wrote it and directed it, so I think it's all on him one way or the other. But it's it's I mean, even if you look at the end as like this was foisted on Angela and it drove her crazy, like even if you want to take that sort of baseline view of it. It's like that would be a result of straight Aunt Martha because other gay dad, like there's no way he would have gotten control of Peter. Like they weren't married. They weren't, you know, like that just never would have happened in 1983. Yeah. Yeah. So that he just disappears from Peter's life. And then look what happens when you just assume that like the gay dad would do about it you hand the kid over to aunt martha who's actually a fucking lunatic ends she's a doctor and <laughs> she's a doctor she's a doctor right? she is a representative of the heterosexual paradigm she's mm-hmm. binaristic she already has a boy so we have to have a girl right oh stacy yeah this movie's so gay <laughs> it's a fluke i swear I, I it just doesn't i'm like are you were you making this to shock and to titillate and to grotesque like to project the grotesque in these depictions and you just undid your own ends in the process i just can't imagine that shit like reading that into aunt martha versus the other gay dad like i can't imagine that's at all intentional no but it, or even but it comes through but there it's valid absolutely it comes through it's oh, this is a special movie well, I mean, you know what? Here's the thing. Sleepaway Camp is a prime example of death of the author, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like we all just found it somewhere, like a fucking golden tablet out in the desert. You know? It's a holy gospel that it's has a holy always gospel. existed. It's always existed you know? and no one knows where it came from. It's just always Maybe been. Robert Hiltzik was like my good friend Joseph Smith, and he found some goggles <laughs> and some tablets. Exactly. That the angel Moroni presented to him. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm saying. And lo, the angel Aunt Martha presented to him. Yeah. Marthoni. And yeah. <laughs> behold, now we have the book of Angela. 
Yeah. So, I mean, is it problematic and squidgy and probably transphobic? It's yes. It's all of those things. Is it also the exact opposite of all of that? Somehow, yes. Does it live in its own reality and have its own laws of physics and time? Absolutely. See, this is one of those where I would say it's deliciously problematic. It's problematic for good. (laughs) Well, so a sizable portion of the population just sees it as... You know. Oh, yeah. And the fandom around this, like, there's so much, there's so much stuff out there that's just repurposing that image of Angela and the dick just for, like, shock value. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, it gets recommended more often than not because it's like, man, I will never forget that ending. Holy moly. Yeah. And I'm when sure. When I saw she had a dog, I lost my <laughs> mind. <laughs> I can only imagine the number of straight horror bros that felissa rose has to do photo ops with with like a strap on or something in front of her yeah and make Uh, that face she absolutely has to make that she always has to make that face also felissa rose is a fucking icon and she's beautiful and i love her (laughs) and and i'm so ecstatic that she is so present in horror fandom to this day um but i can only imagine like the amount of bullshit and misogyny that she has to put up with just and even the trans misogyny that gets cast onto her even as a like cis woman assumes i'm assuming but like uh with the fandom and how they deal right. with her and that that final image it's so there's that definitely occurs too but i think for a queer viewer um I think this movie is something different and it's, it's just special. It feel, it feels like someone gets me when I watch this movie. Yeah. It's its own thing. It's so mean. It's so gross. It's so funny. It's so melodramatic. Judy, Judy's shirt that says Judy on it. I love it. Meg and Judy, (laughs) Meg and Judy are constantly reasserting their personhood by, by naming themselves. And finally, how the fuck did they get James Earl Jones's dad to be in this movie? <laughs> I, I mean, somebody knew somebody, right? James Earl Jones was doing fucking Empire Strikes Back while his dad was <laughs> playing the cook in Sleepaway Camp. Uh, Sleepaway Camp. What a special movie. It is a special movie. And then it just keeps, it just keeps, that that special train keeps a chugging with another bizarre sequel. Completely. So bizarre. Almost completely unrelated to the first film, except for Angela. And and creatively, a totally different team, except for, I think, one producer. Yeah. Five years later, which is a significant amount of time for the 80s. For a slasher movie in the 80s, a five-year gap is pretty significant. Yeah, I think like another film that was very different from his pre- like Sleep uh, Slumber Party Massacre Two also was about that gap of time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's like people taking control of it and just doing whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, and you in know? both cases they worked out Slumber Party Two and this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sleepaway Camp Two, Unhappy Campers is so weird. It's so weird, and in a it's completely different way than the first. In one. a completely different way. Angela, after the events of Sleepaway Camp, Angela went to the psych ward uh, where they gave her a sex change. With our taxpayer dollars. With our taxpayer dollars. Is what one of the campers says as they tell the story of Angela. (laughs) Yeah. So, but then, like, that's it. Angela is Angela now. 
she's a woman. The end. And you say that's it, and that's that's how the film treats it, but it comes up multiple times. Yes. And what is so impressive to me about this depiction of Angela is that she constantly reasserts, and the film reasserts, Angela is a woman. Yes. Yeah. 1988. This is a conversation we are still having today. Right. Of whether Mm -hmm. people are a woman if they say they are. You know, this in this film, Angela says she's a woman. She's a woman. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Silence of the Lambs couldn't even do this. They wouldn't allow Buffalo Bill to be a woman. Like, right. <laughs> so it, it was so beautiful when they're there the the camp the campers are telling the story of angela and and they say oh no she's alive and then someone says it's a guy and then they go not anymore <laughs> yeah yeah or or later is- oh yeah oh no go ahead i was gonna say or later in the film um one of them when when angela's revealed and they understand, oh, wait, you're the Angela. You're Angela Baker. And she goes, I should have called you Peter. And Angela says, my name is Angela Johnson. Mm-hmm. I was just like glowing. Yeah. It's so yeah. transaffirming. <laughs> it really, it really, really is. And I feel like it almost makes up for, if you if you view the first film only as like, transphobic and a problem like i feel like sleepaway camp 2 goes so far to rectify that it's definitely like it it definitely seems to be somehow shockingly once again for a sequel that's completely creatively removed from the original team uh and in 1988 like height of reaganism height well i guess bush was just about to happen height of the aids epidemic like that, Mm -hmm. that this is happening is is revelatory it really is. It really is. And it's just as a as a slasher movie or a horror movie or whatever, it's just so bizarre. So weird. Because it's so weird because it's like there's never any question of who's killing people. From the first kill, it's like Angela's killing people. Yeah. And there's there's like no tension. It's just like I mean, I get that it's basically a horror comedy. Yeah. But it's like Angela literally just kills people. There is zero tension. There's zero suspense. <laughs> because you know it's Angela and because you're rooting for Angela once again. But this time right. there's not yeah. a... It's like the first film sort of has that the great sort of twist in terms of even not not the, not the twist of the penis, but the twist of um, the fact that it is Angela. Like it's sort of it's sort of like like when I saw right. Scream for the first time and I was like it's so obvious it's Billy that it can't be Billy and then it is Billy and you're like oh fuck, um, it's really similar right. with Sleepaway Camp, and this we already know it's Angela we see her killing everybody. There's also like almost no soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. So I felt like I felt like some of the kill scenes, if there's no suspense, could have at least been aided by having some kind of score happening as she's <laughs> yeah. stabbing people. Yeah. It just it's like somebody does something shitty or in Angela's mind shitty. Like some of the offenses are pretty minor. Um Which sometimes includes saying shit. Right, yeah. And then she just like walks up to them and is like kills them and then that's the end of it. Like yeah. it's so weird. <laughs> it's bizarre and she literally angela kills the entire camp in this movie. <laughs> yeah i love it so much every single person in the camp dies at angela's hand right yeah 
in terms of Angela's depiction of Angela, I also think it's really it's it's really significant too that Angela is played by a cis woman, right? Um, and she's not just any woman, but Bruce Springsteen's fucking sister, Pamela Springsteen, <sighs> and a- who is Angel. fantastic. She's so great in this. She's so uh, much fun. Her smile, yeah, she's adorable. Her smile decorated my life. To use the parlor. Yeah, she's just like a nice little lady. You know, like just a little cherub. When she shows up with her guitar on her strap to her back and she's gonna sing Happy Campers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's like, I mean, yeah, she's a prude. You know? She's I, a prude. She her time in the hospital, she really went straight edge. You know? Yeah. Which is regrettable, but what are you going to do? But it's also attributed, it's still, um, the film, I mean, for also being so separate from the first movie and tonally completely different, um, the film is still, it's still, they're not, they haven't retconned Angela in any way. Right. Uh, which I thought was really interesting. Like, she still talks about her Aunt Martha. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, to answer something that we were, a question we were posing on the last Sleepaway Camp, or the first one, it does seem like Aunt Martha is why she's killing in this one. Because right. she's Aunt Martha has sort of poisoned her brain and conditioned her to be this, like, moralist. Yes. And so she's yeah. always, it's sort of like how Tiffany's like, it's just like my mother always used to say. <laughs> but she <laughs> she does that with Aunt Martha. And Aunt Martha's um, motto's about strong moral fiber. And, right, yeah. And boys want a nice girl. Yes. And, so there's a, this sort of that heterosexual normative poisoning has reached into her brain. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not that she's killing because she's a trans woman. It's because she's a fucking prude. It's because she's a fucking prude. <laughs> Which I think that's a great representation. Yeah. And, you know, people, uh, well, I mean, in a way it is because like that's, you know, especially in the 80s, it's like gay people trans people all had this reputation of being i mean trans people especially are still dealing with it of like just being perverts perverts sex that's the whole issue with the sex obsessed yes sex obsessed monsters right only only trans women are the sex monsters right which just tells you that everybody is actually just afraid of cis men (laughs) yes that yes no one's (laughs) ever worried about a trans man going into the bathroom because these people still consider them to be women Mm-hmm. it's just it, whatever but uh, it's almost yeah. as if their arguments don't work it's almost as if it's a big crack of shit <laughs> yeah it's almost as if it's just blatant heterosexism right yeah but uh so for angela to be a prude and to kill anybody who shows any signs of falling out of her narrow sort of view of what constitutes a good person you know mm-hmm. flies in the face of the reputation of the lgbt spectrum mm-hmm. especially at she the time. also after her transition um you know i think angela's very comfortable in her woman's body mm-hmm. uh but like oh but you take a photograph of her changing and you see her bra mm-hmm. nice boys won't like that right so you gotta you gotta die yeah <laughs> well it is a violation of privacy it's also a violation of privacy. That's also absolutely true. <laughs> but I mean, her message is in this that she imparts to Molly, which I love that all of the characters are named after the Brat Pack. Molly also oh played. Oh my God! 
That's yeah, funny. did you not notice that? I did not notice that at all. Oh my god, Molly, Allie. Oh my god, yeah. Allie, Phoebe, Molly, Demi. That is Judd, so Emilio. Funny. Oh Mayor. my god. Emilio, it's Charlie. All, it's, yeah. It's literally like the entire Brat Pack, extended Brat Pack. Okay, so what Brat Pack was had the shit sisters? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my heroines. I love the shit sisters. My only my regret note. about this film is they die too quickly. In my notes, I wrote, Icon's gone too soon. <laughs> too soon! They die with, much too quickly. These, like, drunk stoner skids with yeah. their with their cut-up shirts that they make, like, ribbons for their hair out of from their matted, nasty-ass, like, giant hair metal hair. <laughs> uh, I have such a s- soft spot for, like, that kind of sleaze. If we ever did a live screening, we're cosplaying as them for the live episode. <laughs> <laughs> that like carny sleaze. I just love. You know? Oh, yeah. That towny carny sleaze. I love it. So good. Um, but Molly, who is played by uh, Renee Estevez, also another celebrity sister. Yeah. Who never went anywhere um it uh her angela's message to her is be yourself which is you know uh, for angela and all she's been through for her overriding philosophy in life to be be yourself and don't worry about what other people think you know for a trans woman murderer to be saying that is nice (laughs) that's just affirming who angela really is yeah she kills people because you break the rules because you're a jerk or because, mm-hmm. well, because you said shit or had sex. <laughs> you right. know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? We can't all be perfect, okay? We're all exactly. we're all learning one day at a time. And I actually thought her relationship with Molly was really nice. Yeah. Um, all the way down to the the wonderful, uh, one of my favorite sequences. Anytime I watch a slasher movie from the 80s is the reveal, the dead friend reveal, the staging yes. of the dead friends. They're yes. always they're always set up with their little tableaus and their little house of wax moments. <laughs> yeah. And it's always so cute. Molly discovers <laughs> that in the abandoned cabin that Angela loves to spend so much of her time in. <laughs> and <laughs> and then after the chase sequence when she's like she's she's trying to get to Molly and and you're not sure if she's going to kill her or not. Um when Molly falls and slips off that little precipice and hits her head on the rock and you think she's dead, Angela's really actually sad. Right. And like, it's actually, she didn't want to kill her. She didn't want her to die because she was a good person and they were friends. Right. She obeyed the rules. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I like that uh, it does also manage to keep gender and sexuality separate. Yeah, like early on, somebody one of the kids calls Angela weird, and then when Allie says weird isn't even the word for it, I think she's a dyke. Yeah, like the whole time she's just calling her a dyke, apropos of nothing. But like that's what kids do, you know. Yeah, I don't know. So I just I like that it's like that wasn't a twist. Like I could easily see it going there. Like oh maybe Angela was in love with Molly and was a big pervert, but it it stays away from that. And Allie is the asshole. Yeah. Yeah, Allie's such a Allie is. I, I love a, her. She's such a dick, but I did write "fem icon" next to her name <laughs> because, like, with this, Allie has Allie has. There's a great depiction of shameless women's sexuality with Allie. 
Oh, yeah. Granted, Allie is a homophobe. Allie is a monster. Allie is a troll. Um, but in terms of women's sexuality, unrepentant women's sexuality, Allie is absolutely a femme icon. Um, mm-hmm. When okay also what the fuck before before the cunnilingus scene that i'm about to talk about when they're in the bathroom and it's just the foot level shot yeah that's that scene where it's just their feet sliding all over the floor yeah it's that scene is like second to showgirls in terms of like what the fuck is going on here what is this what is this foot choreography that's happening yeah but who <laughs> has sex like this it's so funny but then we get to the her um pushing down the guy's head and he keeps trying to come up and she just will not let him and she like raises her thigh up and like just holds him down. and i'm just like yes queen <laughs> i love her well even when they even when they just have sex it's like she gets off and that's it yeah that's she goes she keeps- great thanks a lot <laughs> yeah Listen, you don't have AIDS or anything, do you? Yeah, I love her. I love her. She's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's perfect. So perfect. Yeah. Up until yeah. her, I think, is, is was it Allie that died? And <laughs> Angela just says, you've been a shitty friend and a shitty camper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. But of course, I have to give a shout out to my absolute favorite character. And I feel like you might know who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. At the end. Oh, cowgirl Amy Sedaris. <laughs> cowgirl Amy Sedaris, who shows up out of nowhere. <laughs> is, totally is the character a- I want to play so badly. She literally drove drove into this film from the first movie, apparently. <laughs> like <laughs> she's like in the same crafting class with aunt martha (laughs) yeah she like uh she picks up angela and angela says oh thanks for the ride i know skin off my tit like she's just (laughs) in her own movie (laughs) i love her so much too bad she has to die but i just i do love her death scene also i love that angela just gives her a minute and then just stabs her (laughs) yeah it's so good she just even angela's like this is too crazy for me (laughs) yeah yeah oh god i love her so she's so good yeah i was i literally was like who the fuck is this jerry blank troll cowgirl you need to yeah. play her, Stacey. When we make the, yeah. the musical adaptation, uh, oh my god, you're absolutely gonna be you're gonna be no skin off my tits for sure. Oh, thank you, thank you. That will be thank her song. You. That's her song. Yeah, <laughs> no skin yeah. off my tits. Oh, it is a treasure. It's a terrible film. Terrible absolutely terrible terrible of it the first movie i truly love the first movie this movie it's if you watch them as a double feature the second one is a little pale in comparison to the the sheer the sheer what the fuck melodrama um but as a as a throwaway fun 80s slasher and a shockingly shockingly progressive look outlook on affirming trans people trans women's identities um yeah movie's great yeah, and it's fun. The fucking shit sisters, man. Shit sisters, I love them. Also, what is them and <laughs> them and who? And the woman at the end. Yeah. Just... Oh, queens, Allie, Allie, <laughs> and her her just vigorous sexuality. Uh, 
what the fuck is that flashback like the dream sequence that angela has where we see everything that has already happened in the movie (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like okay they were trying to hit a time a running time yeah of 80 minutes yeah, <laughs> with cool. Angela and then the slow mo of her going, "We'll do my favorite camper song." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so good. yeah, yeah, it's like we see the a whole hour we just saw just take place much slower and with a blue filter. <laughs> oh, and also as an '80s horror movie uh, that was aware of itself as an '80s horror movie, I love the sequence the freddy and jason the kids that dress up as freddy and jason to go and scare angela for some reason freddy has an actual razor blade glove that is used to ultimately kill him but i love how freddy and jason they're gonna scare angela's freddy and jason and she shows up as leatherface wearing one of their faces (laughs) yes that was amazing yeah yeah which means i guess we can surmise that angela has seen texas chainsaw massacre yeah she's a leatherface stan yeah (laughs) makes sense it does yeah she's taking back problematic trans representations there you go oh my god is she (laughs) i might have painted myself into a gymnastics corner i think so that's okay though there's an essay in there somewhere call jack halberstam (laughs) (laughs) oh what man i love sleepaway camp yeah me too a great great if you don't i get it like if you don't that's valid yeah it's totally valid not to but it works for me even if sometimes even when i say that it works uh, sometimes i find myself going "Ah!" and i think that's (laughs) fine like it it makes me question myself and think about things yeah I, you know, this radical angry queer loves this depiction, loves Angela with all of my heart. I'm, I, I will, I will fight. I said this in the last episode. I will fight to the death. Anyone that says that it's a more problematic depiction than, than a empowering depiction. But I will say I've only had that conversation with cis people. And if a trans person says it, I absolutely, I absolutely get it. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Especially with that last shot. Like that's only made to to shock Um, right but man i'm just grateful for this movie i feel like someone's winking back at me with it and it makes me very very happy yeah i don't know who's winking back but somebody is aunt the universe is is. aunt martha she's she's wiggling that finger with that strig on it God, I love Sleepaway Camp. Sleepaway Camp 3 we did not discuss on this episode, but we we could perhaps save for a future one. 3 to me is a pale retread of 2. And yeah. 2 wasn't great to begin with. Yeah. So but, to have an even paler retread. But it is more Pamela Springsteen as Angela, so. We got more Pamela. And man, she is a vision. I fucking yeah. love Pamela Springsteen. I mean... In a perfect world, Felissa Rose is the only Angela, but Pamela Springsteen, you're fantastic. I love you. Mm-hmm. I love your face. Yeah. Uh, that said, while we may save uh, Sleepaway Camp 3 for another episode of, of three sequels, um, I don't think it's, I think it's safe to say we'll never review Return to Sleepaway Camp. No, I don't think so. Because it's terrible. Yeah, I don't want to have to watch it again. Which is such a shame because Ricky and Angela as Felissa or Felicia as Angela and Aunt Martha all come back. 
along with everybody Isaac was Hayes. so excited about it. You know, the original but... director, Robert Hiltzik, comes back. Yeah. And it is just not, it's just not good. No. So check it on your own time. Uh, don't message us about it. Sorry. About that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We will not be talking about it, except for right now when we're talking about it. Yeah. It's the one and only time. One and done. Yeah. Yay. Woohoo. We talked about Sleepaway Camp. Got some revenge on. That was revenge. Uh, that was absolutely revenge. Sure. Yeah. Mainly in the first one. The second one, it was just sort of <laughs> preemptive prudism, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's okay. But I think but... it's worth talking about them as companion pieces and their depiction of a trans woman. Yes, especially, yeah, is the two complementary uh, bookending and sealing the deal on this is a woman and she is just fine the way right. she is. Yeah. Here, here. God, I love what? Angela. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hear it. I mean, oh my God, the women of Sleepaway Camp. Angela, Judy, Meg, Aunt Martha, Allie, Molly, Cowgirl Tits Lady. <laughs> <laughs> Cowgirl Tits Lady, the Shit Sisters. The Shit Sisters, Queens. Yeah, yeah a lot of Queens in those movies. God. Let's Check them shit. out, people. Check them out. If you Formative can't. horror. Make up your own mind. Yeah. <laughs> God, I hope they never reboot it. Oh, that seems like a bad idea. I don't think they'd even try. I think it's too, those waters are too murky. I feel like in 2004, they would have tried if they had, if they did. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> well, oh, well, speaking of 2004... Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey. Hey, how did that happen? <laughs> Natural segue. Stacy. <laughs> obviously, I don't know what question you're about to pull out of our listener hat that also is next to the, the rabbit hat. Yeah. But do we have a listener question? We sure do. <laughs> this <laughs> week's question comes from Wobbly Kitty. And the question is, what's your favorite movie from a period in which horror movies sucked? Wow. That's, That's a question. A lot. That's a lot. Now, it must be said that for this question, uh, since we just pulled this out of the hat, Stacy and I just psychically connected here in Gaylord's Manor across our large table. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we established two parameters, sub-parameters for ourselves for this question. Yes, because, I mean... A period in which horror movies suck is so subjective. And we zero in specifically on two eras where we think they sucked the most. <laughs> and yeah. I feel like most horror fandom would also agree with us. Uh, so we're setting the parameters. We're going to pick two movies each uh, from 1989 to 1994. One of the dark, mini dark phases for horror. Really? As well as 2000 to 2005. Two five-year periods, and boy, looking back, I think we were right on the money because there was not a lot of shit. It wasn't. It, I I managed to come up with five for each period, and I'm gonna and narrow think, it down to one. I think that's about as many good movies that came out of that era. <laughs> yeah, it was not like oh my gosh, I never realized that this time period was actually really great, and I've got thirty movies. Like no, I could yeah. only find five from each that I'd even consider. 
putting on my giving an answer for so yeah i have about four or five from each and and narrowing it down to one as we as we discussed psychically just now in our heads um yeah just one answer narrowing it down to just one was like you told me psychically just now a bit of a sophie's choice Mm -hmm. um but man uh, i have to say the the ones that are good were really good yes yeah the highs were very high i think and otherwise, these eras fucking sucked, man. And I'm so glad that <laughs> Scream and then women-centric horror films changed the game for both of these eras. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what you got? All right. So 1989 to 1994, I am going to the year 1992 uh, with Candyman. Yeah. Is that yours too? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't get better than Candyman, right? From that era? I almost considered because we did an episode on Candyman. I also tried to like, well, maybe stuff we haven't really talked about. I thought about it that way too. But I had to choose Candyman. But it was, I would say my Sophie's choice there was Candyman or Exorcist 3. Oh, you know, I've never seen Exorcist 3. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's good. Maybe we should do a little uh, possession episode. It's scary. It's real scary. I've heard that. I've heard it's great. And William Friedkin came back and directed it. Yeah, it's fantastic. So that was my toss up. And I ultimately went with Candyman because I'm like, it's I mean, one of them has Helen and one of them doesn't. Right. But also it's so rich. It's feminist. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's so the 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 discussion of race in that film. I mean, it's the first horror film to really do that. It's so good. Yeah. 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 And it comes from queer source as queer source material. Like it's so good. Um, my Sophie's choice with it was Silence of the Lambs, uh, mm. which ultimately I did not pick because I'm like, you know, it kind of exists a little. It's prestige horror. It kind of exists sort of outside of horror. Whereas right. Candyman is unrelenting, gory horror. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And uh, Jacob's Ladder was in that era. Oh, that? shit. Yeah. Oh, that's getting. I just saw the trailer. This, 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 oh, God, it looks so bad. Does it? I didn't watch. It looks terrible. It looks absolutely terrible for because the original is so good. It's so it's fucking scary when his face and the head like. <laughs> it's very Silent Hill. I don't like it. Yeah, it's it scary, is man. Silent Hill. That's why I don't like it. I don't like Silent yeah. Hill. I love Silent Hill. I don't like it. Um, what else from that era did you pick as your side as uh, notable ex- thing? Those three, uh, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, which I respect more than I like, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I appreciate oh. it, but it doesn't like turn me on. I know? really like it. I'm not as big into the ending, but I really like it. Yeah. And of course... Amityville for the evil escape. Oh, how could we forget? Yeah. So. <laughs> I included I included uh my notable um mentions were Intruder. Uh one of my favorite slasher movies, and that was right on the cusp of 1989. Um In the Mouth of Madness. Really like that John oh, yeah. Cocker movie. Great movie. Yeah, it's good. And then just to annoy you, I said prom night three. <laughs> <laughs> Starring Betty Sue Baloney. <laughs> Fucking A. <laughs> we were having such a nice time. I too. know. I had to I had to shit on a <laughs> foyer somewhere. A 
Graphic designer imposter bullshit. <laughs> Betty Stupid. <laughs> anyway, I'll pretend you didn't say that. Yeah, you could just edit that part out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just redact it for both of our good yeah. well-being. And just to get on your nerves, I said, not prom night three. <laughs> Add a robot voice. <laughs> oh, that's what that soundboard. Yeah. I'm so glad we got. Yeah, it's very convincing. I it's guess. a great soundboard. Thank you. Yeah, high tech. It is. So, uh, <laughs> 2000 to 2005. What did you pick? Uh, my number one from that era, I think, is uh, the Descent. Same. Yeah. Exact same. It's so good, man. I would I would go as far as to say, well, maybe next to Martyrs, I think it's the best horror movie from that decade. Yeah, I might give you that. I mean, in terms of in terms of affecting, I yeah, absolutely yeah. say it's the most effect because that I said it before. That's the one movie. Well, up until the invitation, but maybe even more so with this scent because of the claustrophobia and fucking monsters everywhere. I literally spent the first hour of that movie trying to convince myself not to leave the theater and just be yeah. safe <laughs> yeah it's so good it holds up too it's great Hold, it's great. it holds up unlike neil marshall's subsequent career <laughs> no kidding what happened i don't know we just watched hellboy and whew. oh yikes mila jovovich is great in it i'll give it that yeah well yikes the descent yeah good movie I, I, good movie and that was 2005 yeah it was on the cusp yeah but did it come out in the uk in 2004 i, I wasn't i wasn't sure maybe but i yeah great fucking movie great 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 movie there were other yeah. good ones from that era um yeah i also chose uh because i had jason in my ear saying this over and over and over and over and over and i love this movie it's really good but it does scare me just a little too much um i also put session nine yeah me too uh i put because it cracks me up and because i really loved it when it came out Shaun of the dead um yeah and i also included may um because it's a, Hmm. a weird weird weirdo movie that I still don't know how I feel about it current day, but I loved it when it came out. Hmm. Yeah, session nine, the ring. Oh yeah, the ring, baby, the ring, high tension, which we just talked about last yes. week. Yes, and uh, tale of two sisters. I have not seen that one either. That was another one when I was talking to Jason. About wow, it. he brought that. Wee. I haven't. I haven't seen that or the Elizabeth Banks remake. Which wasn't terrible. I've seen some of our remakes of Asian horror and just yikes. I mean, yeah, we. The Ring is the only like good one, right? That's the only really fantastic one, yeah. But the, what is it, The Uninvited, I think, is the Elizabeth Banks remake yeah. of it. Yeah. It didn't Emily make Browning me want to. Yeah, I didn't want to kill myself. <laughs> so. That's the that's, that's the bar. That's the blurb in the trailer. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't want to kill myself. Stacy Ponder, final yeah. girl. Yeah, yeah. So, but you should see a tale of two sisters. Yeah, I want to see it. I, I I've wanted to see it uh, since I first saw the the cover with the little hatcheted up dead girls on the front of it. Yeah. Well, we all must make a choice. Do you watch 
A Tale of Two Sisters, or do you watch Hellboy? You know, we constantly or cats. Or cats. We come to these crossroads <laughs> constantly in our lives. Listen, if it presented with a good movie or trash, that's true. I'm usually going to end up going for trash. You're a trash monster. I'm a trash. I live in the trash can. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to well, upgrade to a double wide dumpster. <laughs> well, if you like it, then it's not trash, right? Or it is trash. Yeah. You just you like it. It's trash, and I love it. I love trash. That's why I'm. That's why I'm hosting an opening night red carpet for cats <laughs> and Venom Two and. Mama Mia Tokyo Drift. <laughs> well, there you go. You know, I should uh, watch good movies. That's true. <laughs> well, I mean, whatever gives you enjoyment in this workaday world before the Earth burns us alive. Yeah, I mean, we're all heading towards the sixth extinction. Mm-hmm. So, if you want to watch trash, watch trash. Thanks, thanks, yeah. Stacy. Welcome. Welcome. I uh... feel seen. Okay, good. good. <laughs> I'm glad we could make it over this. Yeah, I mean, I say it like every week when you say I watch garbage movies. Well, if it gives you pleasure, then who cares? I just appreciate. I just. I don't know. I, just I guess I'm I just appreciate... surprised. I I will say I'm surprised that well, there the have problem... been a number of films that are genre classics or just film classics or these really great movies and not everybody has seen everything for sure but then when you say i watched hellboy which <laughs> to me i say could those two hours <laughs> have been spent more constructively more constructively but could i, I mean, have watched- obviously not to you because at that moment you said i want to watch hellboy so but could it i have show- watched could I have watched Don't Look Now instead for the first time, perhaps? Or The Brood. Or The Brood. Could I have watched any film that everyone on the internet knows I haven't seen? <laughs> Maybe. But obviously you I will say. Boy. I will say it's complicated by the fact that A, Mama likes to smoke weed. <laughs> and then she doesn't have the best attention span. So she's like, put on something dumb that I don't have to think. <laughs> And then I also have Jason, who's like, I don't want to watch this. I don't want to watch that. And then he brings home Hellboy because he works at a video store and he decides he wants to rent it. And I spent, how long do you think that Hellboy movie before we put it on was spent with me holding my joint and rambling about how they should just make Hellboy 3 because I want to see Selma Blair and the conclusion to the trilogy? (laughs) All right. Hours, hours were spent with me in that monologue. Uh, I mean, and then this we, is all fair. Yeah, you know. and then we put it on. So there's factors that go into why I don't watch good movies. <laughs> <laughs> also, you just don't always want to. I get it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Try, I tried to watch the nun. You know, I tried. Is the key word there? But I did try. You put it on. I put it on. I made that choice, you know. The first step is trying. That's a leap of faith. Mm-hmm. So I just, I, you know, whatever. That's. Uh, I like. I like that. I um, shit on you and your foyer with prom night three, and then you end up comforting me over the fact that I haven't watched good movies. <laughs> well, 
You're a good friend, Stacey. <laughs> I'm a good friend. <laughs> and I'm a terrible person who lives in a trash can. <laughs> That's true. Well, I just, I try to not, uh, I mean, I do, obviously there are plenty of times here on the show or on Final Girl where I have railed against what I consider to be bad movies, et cetera, et cetera. Why would anybody watch this, et cetera, et cetera. But when it becomes- oh, I a do the same. But when it becomes a specific thing of a person saying, I watched this and I liked it, it's like I try not to, I don't know, give people shit over that because we all like different things and you like what you like. And if it's entertaining you and you find some kind of value in it, then good. Like, it's good to like things. And you know what else I appreciate? You're not going to show up on my Facebook and tell me I'm wrong. You're going to just go and post on your Facebook that you didn't particularly enjoy it. If yeah. you even do. If I even do. I try and that's not, well, called manners. <laughs> <laughs> well, I try to have manners because while on the inside, I think that my tastes are paramount, obviously, uh, I realize that my tastes, uh, you know, everybody's got different tastes and everybody feels that way about themselves. So, yeah, I'm not. Do I will I look down on someone if they don't like a thing that I love? Absolutely. But I'll just do that on the inside. Where it should be done. Where it should be done. If someone, you know, posts on Facebook that they hate this thing that I love, I just keep scrolling because what am I going to do? Engage? No. Yeah. No. And, but called- then, I, then I see Anthony Hudson come down my timeline and he says, <laughs> I watched this garbage movie. How could anybody like this garbage movie? You all have terrible taste. <laughs> And I say, why is Anthony doing this? (laughs) Anthony's not engaging with the Gaylords listener. He's just trying to be a dick to people who like something that didn't work for him. My rule is if it's on my Facebook, it's fine. And just try and argue with me because I will delete your comments. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I, I just. I see it, but I'm I don't understand. Troll. I don't understand the motivation. I guess. I guess the problem is I took myself to see the Spider-Man movie, and I was livid. And everyone that said it was good, <laughs> right? I didn't come for anyone's enjoyment of it on their pages, though. I just posted on my own page about how it's bad, and people need to have a think with themselves. <laughs> And then you watched Hellboy. And then I watched Hellboy begrudgingly, and I did not enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, I am on the path to self-actualization and success. Unlike some people (laughs) who have a... Yes. I mouth off on this show and say, how could anybody like these things? And it's all garbage. But also, like, I would never, I, I wouldn't post about it, I, I guess. I don't know. Like, I don't want that kind of level of, this is a one-way street right here. You I guess know what that's I mean? the problem is I post that kind of thing, and then I get upset when people engage me again. And I'm like, well, I did open up the vortex. But it's also like, just let me complain on my face. That's what I always say with Jason whenever I complain in real life. I'm like, I don't need to hear your thoughts about it. Just let me complain. Right. <laughs> I just like venting. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that. And there are times I post things on Facebook and I'm like, I don't want anybody to con- And then I just delete the post because I just don't want to hear from anybody. I guess but what I, I mean, like just- 
There is a comment thing for a reason. And I guess if you say, how could anybody like this thing? It's garbage. Reconsider your tastes. <laughs> how could anyone like this beloved 22 film franchise? Yeah. I personally, if I felt attacked by that, I would keep scrolling. But some people will fire back. But see, like Antu Angela, who is the only person that is always right, you have strong <laughs> moral fiber, Stacey. And I think that's why, that's why, you know, you are a role model. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. I've got my Stacey votive candle lit. <laughs> I'm not, I'm going to try not to engage with anyone in their assholery. Yeah, right. You know, and I'm going to, I'm going to put on .com for murder and I'm going to be a better person for it. And I'll humbly enjoy it in my private life and no one else has to know about it. I get for me, I guess I would rather just post about something I like rather than posting or I'll post a thing that I didn't like, but without turning it around on everybody else and saying, how could you? Just because I declare war people take it. People on take an it entire personal. generation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right or wrong, I think people internalize that and take it personally. It's they seen do. as a personal attack. And that you know? said, I am a troll. And ultimately, I say really loud, obnoxious things on the internet so that people... I see what their responses are, and then I take in those responses, and I use them for Carla. (laughs) (laughs) The ultimate secret is my entire social media presence is just troll mining for research and writing and performance purposes. I see. That said, should there be terms and conditions that you have to accept when you befriend me on social right. media? Yeah, no one agreed to these experiments. Probably. Am I am I doing just the exact same thing that I critique Marina Abramovic for when she gets actors to act out her dramas and doesn't pay them? Maybe <laughs> I'm doing that. Oh God, I'm a monster. <laughs> well, I guess I guess there's some term of agreement when you sign up for Facebook. Right. Yeah, you're already and they could, selling they your fucking everything to the Russians. You don't have to respond, or you could unfollow someone, you know? Yeah, so. oh my god. Child's Play, the remake, best thing that happened. I narrowed down my friends list so so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Anyway, what were we talking about? Oh my god. I'm a monster, is what we were talking about. <laughs> nah, nah. <laughs> Oh, but you know what? I learned it from society. Okay. Is it yeah. because I'm gay? Probably. And at least I'm yeah. owning that. I haven't started killing yet. <laughs> Day is young. It's still LGBT Revenge Month for another week. I've still got time. Yeah. I've still got time. Wow. Well. We're all going to be dead in 40 years. We're all going to be dead in 40 years. And that said, if you do not feel uh, berated by this episode and you enjoyed it, (laughs) please, please like and subscribe and review. Review us on the iTunes. I know we've got a lot more listeners than we have reviews. And the reviews we do have are very nice. I just want more so that Stacey and I can sit in our little dragon lair underneath Gaylord's Manor. And we can just pile all the reviews on top of our head like our dragon gold. So please review us. Yeah. 
like us, like our Facebook page or something, or Twitter, Gaylords of D. Twitter, Gaylords <laughs> of D. Uh, share with your friends. Let's 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 take over the world with queer horror. It's hot right now, and let me tell you, baby, we're on fire. So, um. Oh my god. Wow, for a haunted tome made out of skin, it's so loosely structured, yet informative. I know, right? Uh, Is it over? It's glowing and spinning on its own, so I'm gonna guess yes? Ah, Oh oh my my god! God. Oh Oh my my god! Tune in next time for more Gaylords of Darkness! Ha, 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 ha.